It's time! Hailing from Bandai Beach, world famous! A two-time Gold Code Peace Award winner who's absorbed more cerebral punishment than Julian Assange, Paul the Chief Parrigan, and Anthony Mundine combined. A core Lord Code Fiend degenerate of the highest order values with new age spiritual twist. It's Samini! And now, hailing from the same hometown of 1990 ASP Rookie of the Year, Jeremy Biles! Our next champion left school at 17 and spent the next 25 years making surf porn for iconic Aussie magazines, tracks, waves, and surfing roars. But perhaps his greatest achievement is sitting opposite your boy, Zabini, talking shit on the Ain't That Swell podcast. He's 14 feet and 3 inches of bacon strips and earlobes. Make him welcome Born Rinsed Corn Daddy! I like to say, and I ain't speaking of white teachers, I want to be part of this fucking dumb wannabe Kenny's tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far out their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the pull back. Drop down, say bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table thing? Oh, surf looks good, haven't Not bad. Ain't that swell. Yeah, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and barnies, welcome to Yo! Ain't That Swell, live from the Harbord Hotel. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Peace Award winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro, a dosing, a semi Round of applause for Smithy Harbord Hilton. And I'm joined here, as always, by my loyal co-host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World magazine, a Tracks magazine, a Waves magazine, a Vaughn, a Rinsed Corn, a Deadly. That is sparkling corn, let me assure you of that, Harbord. Sparkling. It's good to be here, Vaughn. You can smell the history in the air here at Freshwater. You can, mate. I'm loving the fit out. Uh, it's a very different pub from when I first came here in the early 90s. Uh, didn't last too long. Got turfed pretty much instantly. Mm. Heaps of footy players going absolutely schizo. It's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. I believe this is where Noel Crusher Cleal earned the nickname Crusher just for crushing skulls like boiled eggs. Yeah, that that's correct? right, mate. Absolutely right. But, um, yeah, just having a look around, there's, there's a pretty... It's like a museum in here. There's like uh, all the vintage surfboards, some old skateboards. They've really done a wonderful job fitting it out. What do you guys reckon? 
Pretty good. Very good. Do, do you like the old joint better? Do you like it when there's a scum? Fucking scum pit. Yeah, that's what I like too. Nah, it's good. It's good. Incredible though, Vaughan. Just the history in this part of the water. Fresh water, of course, is where uh, basically surfing began in this country. With True. Great Duke Kahanamoku uh, performing his exhibition here he way did. back when in 1915 or whatever it was. Uh, but I think he's left, you know, much more of an imprint on Australian surfing than people realise. Uh, I'm currently actually researching a story which has taken me to, to all the living uh, world champions from the Northern Beaches. Uh, not only is it taken to me to interview them, mm. uh, I've actually been taking swabs and creating something of a genetic profile <laughs> right? of all the uh, world champions just to figure out what's going wrong. You know, we, mm. We're not winning the world titles we should be. And one thing I've learned in creating these genetic profiles is that the Duke's DNA is everywhere in this country. <laughs> uh, I mean, and I, I don't know where it came from. I'm tipping it wasn't the sewage system. Uh, anecdotally, I hear after doing that exhibition, he was just on the beach tearing them apart like cooked chooks. <laughs> I'm talking, I'm talking spreading seed like a Cambodian rice farmer circa 1983. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of spreading the Aloha spirit, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's news to me. I can't wait to read that story. Stab premium or something? Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, okay. yeah, something like that. Yes, yes. Great. Uh, well, yeah, you're right. We're, it's just around the corner where, um, you know, surfing basically exploded as, uh, into Australian popular culture when the Duke was here with the uh, Olympic swim team, I think it was. They did an exhibition with the, uh, the surfing here at Freshy. And uh, I, I love that story, mate. Uh, the, the classic thing about the Duke was that he was always looking to share surfing. He wanted to share the aloha. And uh, one of the great things about that day is... You know, it wasn't just about him turning up and, and showcasing what he could do. He wanted to leave an imprint of surfing in the Australian culture. And he, he picked out a volunteer, 15-year-old girl, Isabel Latham. And uh, she jumped on the board and they went out past the rollers. And he was like, okay, we're going to catch a wave together. And, and he, they caught the wave and he stood up and he was screaming at her. This is the legendary story. He's screaming at her, going, get up, get up. And she was just going, ah, hanging on the rails. And so he grabbed her hair and he pulled her up. And, uh, yeah, but the thing is, that moment had such a huge imprint on Australian culture because I swear to God, man, I've seen the secos at the stain use the exact technique on every cunt with a top knot ever since. Just, how's you get? Byron Bay hipster. But, yeah, it was a, it was a huge moment and it all, it all sort of spilled into what, we now consider like a national pastime, a national sport. And it was born right here. So I think it's, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone from Freshie, everyone from Harbord has heard that a million times, but it's so worth tapping back into because it really was the birth of surfing in this country and it's something that we've all gotten to really sort of take some ownership of because of the Duke. So. 100%. Give yourselves a round of applause. Round I mean, of applause. Not that the energy's had anything to fucking do with that, but yeah, go on. No, we didn't. You're sitting yeah. here now. We've just shit all over that legacy ever since by being greedy little wave hogs, haven't we? Mm. True, true, true. Before a massive program tonight, uh, obviously the World Tour is back in town and it's a it Brazilian is. storm. They're absolutely running amok. And, uh, <laughs> it is. I mean, what have you made of it so far? Mate, I've been fucking so pumped on uh, pro surfing being back, especially back on the northern beaches. But the thing that's tripping me out is just that year off, the level of where competitive surfing went has blown my mind. Like... You know, a year off, we're not seeing these uh, guys and women surf every single month like we were. And all of a sudden, you know, Chris Moore turns up, first beach break comp, throws the biggest air reverse ever done in women's surfing, like outside of a rashi or not. And 
then Italo and Gabe and uh, Philippe and those guys are basically saying, you've got two comps to get your shit together because this will just wipe your fucking face off every single time. So it's, it's pretty fucked up how sick competitive surfing is. And I loved seeing it back on the beaches, man, because it's been too long. It's been too long since we've really had a, a bit of a grasp down here on, you know, uh, our place in world surfing. And getting it back here was step one because the crowds on the beach and the energy down here was just schizo. I loved it. Mm, so good, so good. We've actually got one of the masterminds of Gabriel Medina's victory at Narrabeen with us today. Uh, let's get him on, shall we? Let's. It's the time! Fighting out of Cronulla, the home of the East Coast Core Lord. Our next guest overcame incredible hardship to cement himself as one of Australian surfing's most beloved figures. The term Butler Kingpin Corlord Hellman Cone Fiend Iconoclast gets thrown around all too loosely these days, but our next guest is certainly that. He's got more staying power than red wine on a white t-shirt. More resilience than a cane toad. More get up and go than Italo Ferreira after 170 Red Bulls. Please welcome to the stage the king of the Cron, Andy the Cron Goat Kingy. Andy King, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Scott. Mate, what a pleasure to have you on, Kingy. Thank you, brother. Thank um, you. For those who don't know you, uh, can you give us a, just in, in a few words what you've been up to in the last two weeks? <laughs> that's the only... Oh, yeah, well, that's the only time I've been becoming important. Is that what you're saying, Vaughan? <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's a good no. starting point, put it that way. <laughs> uh, that, for the last two weeks, um, funny story anyway, like long, yeah, I, I got a call up. I've been, I've been in this game for oh, competing since like 94. That's, yeah, we've, we've been on a yeah, long right journey. On your chin, mate. Long right journey. on your chin, that microphone. I'll put it on your chin. Right there, there. there you go, there you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the, the funniest thing was, is like I've been in that game and then I had to actually ask my wife because my phone hadn't rung for about a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been, I've been sacked that many times in the, you know, in the surfing industry because um, I think, and, and that's what makes me valuable is that um, the fact that I tell the truth. So not a lot of people like the truth and I'm, I'm completely deaf. So I, I can't muck around with words, so I'm straight to the point and I'm very direct. So, yeah, I've been sacked a lot. So I just check in with my wife and say, well, did you turn off the network? Why hasn't my phone been calling? Why hasn't the phone? Why hasn't the phone been ringing? And then Uncle Mick, Uncle Mick rung me. I, yeah, so the way that this whole thing started was, um, was never intended to be a coach. Um, I fractured my skull in 2004. I got... In an incident with a bunch of bunch of footballers out in front of a club in Cronulla, left me completely deaf, and uh, so that that finished my career. And then Red Bull picked me up and said um, we're looking to start a surf program. So 
um, they're looking for a mentor. And I was just like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, you know, look, I've got no equilibrium, we've got no hearing. And they just said, well, I figured it out. Just tell these guys to be the exact opposite you ever were and they'll be a success. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, not fair anyway, at all, So that's mate. how it comes for the last two weeks. Uncle Mick goes, yeah. Well, yeah, look, <laughs> I'll, I'll do a, a little overview. Kingy grew, grew up in Cronulla, and we'll get into all this in a minute, but uh, was a really talented junior, had a, a success as a junior surfer, hit the QS, was part of a, a really big Aussie push that came through in the, what was that, sort of mid-90s, I guess, yep, mid to late yep, 90s, yep. Um, when... Basically, the momentum generation had dominated surfing for about 10 years and then a big push came from the uh, Aussies on the QS to try and, like, end that domination and get some Australian yeah. mongrel back into the scene. <laughs> uh, you were a big part of that uh, with a lot of really talented surfers and we'll get into all of that. But, yeah, okay. ever since, as you said, you know, ever since the injury and the incident sort of got more into being a mentor and then eventually coaching and yeah. this man took Gabby Medina to the big win at Narrabeen oh. after four finals in a row without a result. So what about a round of applause for this bloke? That, that's a nutshell. I mean, he's a great dad and he's, he's, he's one of the best blokes and one of the best mates that anyone on who's ever done the tour has ever had. They, they will always stand up for this bloke. So let's find Thank out you, where man. it all begins, maybe. Yeah, mate, let's go, uh, let's go right back to the beginning of your life back there in Cronulla. I uh, understand you had to overcome some incredible hardship uh, early on in life. Uh, can you talk to us a bit about, you know, what was going on in the home life of Andrew King? Oh, and this is, like, this is the funny thing, like, sitting here, because I just think, like, coming from South Sydney, like, we had um, Botany in the dock, so we were, like, the industrial, you know, with, 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 with the um, um, oil refinery and we had um, Botany Bay... So I always just thought it was hilarious to me because there's two sides of the bridge. Like the south side was the blue collar that fed you guys because you guys are fucking beautiful here. <laughs> you've got, <laughs> you know, you've got these beautiful big houses on these little inlets and I just was always like, whoa, how the fuck was I not born here? Like on that side of the bridge and then I, I kind of... So, I've, 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 yeah, it, it was just... I, I, I came from that, from that side and... Um, yeah, that was yeah, but that that again, it was just a completely different time. So, yeah, it just shaped who we were. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get like like I said, this it's a fun night. I'm not going to get too. I don't want to get too deep with you guys. No, no, nah, nah, well, we get deep one. though. We get deep. I mean, I guess what you went through early on in life definitely played a part in what happened to you later on in life. You know, it always does. Whatever you experience yeah. as a child shapes you as a man. Um, oh, totally, yeah. And, you know, I understand, like, you know, your old man was on the drink a lot. He's a, a pretty, like, violent character. I, I read in an article yeah. in the ABC, you slept with a, a knife under your pillow as yeah, a kid. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, my, my old man, because, um, again, like, um, he, was a, he was a second generation of the convicts. So he was a, he was a bikey. And he was probably the fucking dumbest fucking criminal that you're ever going to come across. <laughs> so he was, he was important um, hashish from, um, from Morocco. But he had a scarab beetle, you know the dung beetles, because they roll, they roll shit, so they roll the hash. So they had a gang, and they all got tattoos of fucking dung beetles. So every cop that ever saw him, <laughs> he straight away arrested him. <laughs> oh, I just like, dopey motherfucker. Like, but it was so manipulative. He had like double face tattoos, and and um, and my mum came from like a really um, you know like good background, and she just wanted the bad guy, and and. 
I'm kind of cool with it, but my sisters are just like, how the hell did you breathe with this guy? Mm. Like, this guy was just a fling. You don't mm. have kids to a guy, yeah. a guy like that. And be, yeah, he, he was my father. But at the same time, um, he did teach me about um, respect and culture, even if it was through violence. Um, he definitely um, gave me a, a pecking order that um, I saw and, and valued throughout the rest of the career. So obviously going to Hawaii and... Um, and those, in those early days, like I, I did see it everywhere around the world and I understood where I fitted and that you had to work your way up um, and if, if that was with violence. Um, but everywhere else around the world was a safer place than it was at home. So mm. we, like it was, like, that's what I was going to say. Well, like Cronulla in those days when you start surfing uh, has a, a lot of uh, basically the first slab chases. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, fearless crew there. There's also a lot of maniacs. Um, yeah. How was the pecking order in the water? Was that the same sort of lessons, getting dished out in the water? Oh, for sure. But uh, uh, and, and that was where he became a part because he tried to set another gang up when he got shipped out there. So he set up that same structure that he had over in England. and then, But obviously he didn't equip them with any skills <laughs> required. So, so, yeah, most of them, if they... Yeah, if we didn't end up in jail or prison, they... But, that, um, yeah, that was... That was um, yeah, he, he, yeah, like he, he didn't set up a great structure, but um, I, I never had a problem, and that was when I got really cocky, and this probably ends up to me with the two cochleas and the fractured skull because I was always protected from 12 years old, you know? Like, so even those guys, even Ock and Dog and Greeny, um, I still got woes when I was 10 because they feared my father. So it was wow. like that. Yeah, right, so the pecking order kind of went out the window because they were like, fuck, there's Kingy's dad, there's Kingy, you can take any wave you want, Grom. Well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> 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 and then, uh, yeah, but it, yeah, it didn't suit me long one, but yeah. <laughs> Can you talk to us about some of the waves you grew up surfing and, and the, the culture of surfing back in Cronulla? Oh, I just think, yeah, and you know what happened? It, it actually came from the northern beaches, like Gary Green and those kind of the Newport, Newport Push and, and Billabong, and it just, just was focused there. But, um, yeah, the, there was amazing, like, yeah, there was some really good, slabs around and, and um, yeah, but but like I said, I just think, like what, what we've learned and we talk about culture and I, I just kind of want to shift it away from the negative. Like you talked about the Duke and I think there's a bunch of culture. I did talk about the Duke, that's right. His DNA is all through Australian surfing. <laughs> but no, but I just think there's cultural icons, you know, like there's, and, and that's what more than culture behind Key. And, and, and I don't know if you guys have ever had the chance to have Maurice Cole. Have you guys ever done a podcast? With oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah mate. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that a enlightening four hours of our lives? Oh, it was uh, very enlightening. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I think he's maybe only the, the sixth or seventh ex-con we've had on the program, but. Uh... <laughs> but um, yeah. So so I think you guys and and we we're talking about those cultural icons, and I think. Um, they can't be forgotten. And one of the things I'm fascinated with at the moment and one of the things that I, I think we have to be super careful about is the Olympics, if we want to get political. Like, um, they've got a bunch of people that want to see change that are coming from Canberra, that were in different sports, that just like where the location is. So we can't forget our culture. And that's why I'm sitting here tonight because I think you guys are cultural icons along with... Uh, but that, oh, yeah. no, that, honestly, like that, we need to keep that. <laughs> but again, because that's what our sport, like we're a bunch of larrick. Don't you reckon? No, I'm not getting emotional, but 
think we're a bunch of larrikins and we were change agents and we were counterculture. And I think if we lose that, and, and that, that scares the shit out of me. So I've worked in all those places and that's what the Olympics are actually after. They get, you know what they're going to do in, um, in Paris? They're going to do uh, breakdancing. Because they're, they're so... What's no, next? Seriously. Graffiti tagging and train bombing? I don't know. That was a like that that was a beautiful. That was, <laughs> can I get a round of applause for Kingy? He just this is such a good combo, man. Thanks such so a, much. For it's just a mental story. Like I mean, uh, I, I think stories like this we we only hear of them when it applies to Kobe Abaddon or Maurice Cole. Like you know, and there's there's so many more of these kind of hard luck stories, and uh, for me they're the best ones. You know, they're, you've you've overcome so much in your life, Kingy, and uh, like you said, when you got the job at Red Bull, it was all about you know how not to make the mistakes that I made as my youth. Like, a big part of your story is changing the patterns and behaviour that you learned off your old man, which is something I can relate to, you know. Fucking fully addicted to, to stress and conflict and, and rage. Yeah. And it's the, you know, it's, it's like any addiction to alcohol, to drugs, to gambling, whatever. It, it's just another really destructive addiction. Maybe you can talk about the, the journey to, uh, you know, ch changing those patterns of behaviour, how hard it was, what you drew on to, to change your ways. Yeah, mate, that's, fuck, that's a, that's, are you Oprah? That's what I That was just, fuck, you just made me so reflective. I, but that, fuck, you got a degree in psychology, look, that, because that was, fuck, because that, that was exactly it, right? So when, when the, when the incident, <laughs> when the, um, when the incident, when the incident, um, did happen, um, yeah, like I said, it, it was there was a lot of ego and territorialism involved, and my friend owned the club that that the incident happened with the football. So, so I I naturally thought that I was walking home with my wife and her girlfriend at the time, and they were in the club. There was eight footballers from West Como, and they were in the club. There was no issues, and then they were across the street from us, and um, and they kept talking shit, you know, like, oh, look at their ass, look at this, look at that. And then they stood around a car and they're like, imagine if we could get them in the car. So then my eyes fucking glazed over. Um, and I went across and I knew that my mate owned the club, um, that he wasn't going to be that far away. But as I found out in the court case and as time goes on, he went in to count the till, the bouncer took a piss and I was left by myself with eight of them. So I stomped my skull and, and yes, yeah, so I was... I was completely out to it. So it took me about three weeks and then a bunch of the boys from South Sydney, they were the first before my family got there, the first people I remember, and they gave me um, 5,000 bucks in an envelope to take care of my rent, take care of everything. And I I'd completely lost my hearing at the time. And I'm just like, find out where he lives and fucking chop off his hands. And it was the worst retaliation, like, because I was still in that fight or flight mode. like. Like, it was super violent, so I was like, fuck, like, and they're like, shut up. But I didn't even know that I was deaf, so unless I had my hand on my chest, I couldn't feel my voice vibrating, so I was still in that attack mode. I was just like, fucking send him out, I want to find out where he lives, and I don't, I don't want your five grand, fucking take it, and do whatever it takes to, to, to take him out, and they're just like, 
like they kind of left us alone and then six months of forced silence before I got the, these machines inside my skull. It was forced uh, reflectiveness, you know, like that inner... Um, I didn't know whether I was saying something or I was uh, feeling it or it was just a thought. So, yeah, so that fucking period of time, man, and there was people next to me, I was in a stroke ward, so they had like a, um, the, you know, bed sores on them and it was just like I was just in this hell and it, it just broke me up and then it just made me think about, well, do I continue the cycle? Like I said, break my old man's cycle. Do I keep this violence and this intimidation and domination, you know, like in that space or do I have a fucking good heart, look at myself and, and find um, forgiveness? And, and yeah, so, and I'm, I'm so not religious whatsoever, you know, look, there's no religion involved in this way and no one, and there were so many people coming to my bedside and I was pushing that, like religion, or, yeah, anyway, but I just thought if you don't, if you don't figure it out and you continue this cycle, then it's going to be work with prison and, um, and yeah, anyway, but that, yeah, so that's pretty much the summary, but that, that, yeah, <laughs> Incredible, man. Incredible story. Fuck. We're so glad you're still here with us and that you've been Thank able you. to leave Thanks such man. a positive legacy on so many young surfers, man. It's incredible. Um, Thanks, Jeff. Nah, mate. Fucking thank you. But um, I understand Mick was a big part of your... Mick Fanning was a big part of your rehabilitation. He was, you know, one of your best mates. You, what role did he play in, in helping you get your life back on track? Who, who was that? Uh, Mick, Mick Fanning. Oh, yeah, man. Like... Because I, I saw him because I was really good mates with his brother Ed, and um, and yeah, I knew Mick, and it just happened organically. Like he was a really good little kid. He was respectful. He saw, showed all those sort of traits. This is like way before um, he he was famous. And the and the fact is, is the guys never change. Like, and 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 the funniest thing with our journey and and his journey is like when somebody um. That's, and, and this is what I always thought you had to respect your elders and you had to look up to your elders and he brought us out of that stage, you know, that alpha male and there was a bunch of us back then, you know, like we just, yeah, just got caught in that um, localism and, and Mick fucking totally brought us out of that. Like Mick, Mick like I said, I, I listen to women, value women and it was, I, I think, just for someone that's had that much loss and, and, and you know, like, for him to channel that and shape it, like he's brought us on the journey. Like he's so many people that um that he's he's brought with him, and yeah, he's he's way more evolved human than what I'll ever be, mate. That's oh <laughs> man, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, but it's one of the lesser known things about Mick. You know, again, raised by a single mother, like one of four kids, was it? Um, you know, from Penrith originally. Like he, he's got his own hard luck story. He's had to overcome a lot in his life. Um, I mean, maybe you can share some insights into how he's managed to, to turn himself into the man he is because he could have easily gone down a similar path, you know, ended up in jail himself. Most people from those kind of backgrounds tend to yeah. end up in that situation. Fuck. Yeah, and, and again, I think, and this is the reason, like, with um, Michelle Berez and um, Seth Menez and, and those indigenous cultures, they have matriarchs, like the women. The women are the actual leaders. Like, we're just, we're so fucking reactive. You know, look, we're just, like, we leave with our heads and just... Dick swinging <laughs> chimps, we're fucking idiots. <laughs> oh. but, but, yeah, so I honestly think, and, and that's one of the things I've always been attracted, you know, like, to, to those indigenous cultures. So when the women lead a culture, um, 
it's, it's, it's more empathetic and it's more thought out and structured. And they use us as their henchmen or as soldiers to take care of what has to be done to sort that out. So that's, I've always, like I said, I, even right now I've got um, Seth Menez is one of the um, athletes I work with and Tony, his father, who pretty much runs the North Shore, he's got a house right on pipe. and Golden Gloves boxer. Like like Tony was, a golden gloves boxer. Like he's a hard man, but he's a soft hard man. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's completely that whole North Shore's run by Tammy, the mum. So she's like anything that goes by, it's, it's, it's run by, it's runs by Seth's mum. So it's just like that, that, and it keeps order, keeps order anywhere. God bless the swelly and queens. <laughs> oh, I love them. That's so good. Mate, um, how did it change from, from, you know, Mick helping you to him approaching you to help him? When did, when did that sort of transition happen? How come he sort of sought you out to help him once, uh, you know, his coaching or the traditional coaching methods that he had there with Phil? Yeah. How did that story pan out? Um, he, um, we did it on a boat trip in the Men's Towers in 2009 over about 50 bin tanks. <laughs> uh, like all great meetings, 50 bin tanks. <laughs> sort out all the world's problems or create a few more as well. Oh, and a captive yeah. audience, eh? Like the boat trip, <laughs> as everyone knows, it's the best time of your life and your best, best mates and it's when you sort everything out. So it was a definitive chapter and he just wanted to enjoy it. And that was the time where Joel had already had three wins and... Um, we had the conversation, we were on the top deck of the of the, that, obviously, after a bunch of bintangs, and you're just like, oh, you got to enjoy it. Like, surfing, it's debatable whether it's an art or a sport. So it's just, like, too choreographed. You know, everything he did, he had his fingers placed perfectly. It was like a, it was like a boring ballet. Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say what ballet isn't, but... Oh, it's, sorry. It's, yeah, no, that, that's, that's me. I've been to some exciting ballets. Smithy was an exciting ballet on the weekend, weren't you, Smithy, for your birthday? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, a ballet down at the Bridge Hotel. It went from 11pm to 7am. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it was ballet, but with a, a sprinkling of horse tranquilizer. Uh, <laughs> See, not all me. ballet is... But um, so, so you were basically... Because Mick always says uh, uh, when he won his first world title, he was just like a robot. He was so... He was so uh, one-dimensional about his focus. And then how did you find it? You know, breaking him out of that. Were you able to do that or was he even more turbo? Because he had to come from a long way back to catch Joel in 2009. Yeah, it was so far back. But we, we had a catchphrase and one of his mates got maggot um, coming back from Surface Paradise. And they were um, they stopped at a set of lights and he jumped out the cab because he was fucking bored. It was taking too long to get back to the Gold Coast. And he jumped out, jumped on top of the cab. And he's like, what kind of mood are you in? It's like, I'm in the right kind of mood. You know that song? So I got out, started dancing. And he's just like, well, that, that right there, that spontaneous and that, that's an art. Like that, that's, that's, that's dance, not like a choreograph. So we had a catchphrase for every three events. I had to keep on um, reinventing until he sacked me a couple of years later. Because I'm <laughs> 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 but that, um, yeah, it was just that. Like, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's an expression. And, and it, was that, it was that simple just to make sure that he knew that how fortunate he was and how fortunate we are to continually, you know, be surfing. It's a, it's a fucking art. It's an expression. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was just going to say, just can you take us into that energy between two best mates who are fighting it out for a world title and, you know, like one of them already has one. The other one's been working at it, got five runner-ups. You know, like you've got to destroy your best friend's dream to get what you want. What was that energy like? That, yeah, fuck, that's a great question. That, um, it got really evil, like they were playing, um, playing pranks on each other and setting each other up and then the whole Gold Coast started to swing against you either in Joel's camp or Mick's camp and I just think for their friendship, I'm so glad Joel got one because I don't think it would be the way it was because it almost came to blows like on a couple of occasions behind the scenes and that, yeah, that was... <laughs> is that I'm done I'm done is that it? I, I got me fucking sorry no but I mean when you say like came to came almost came to blows are you talking about sort of like in that lead up sort of through the Euro leg where Mick gets a couple in a row and then all of a sudden Joel's you know hobbling around on a busted ankle exactly and there was like setups man there was comments about mono brows from joel and big noses and fucking snowball heads and but though yeah all those all those little all those little jives every one of them turned into a king hit like that was yeah it was it was a it was a terrible time and i'm stoked joel got one and salvaged their relationship because they're both fucking incredible men Wow, that's so crazy, that behind-the-scenes chat. I never would have realised. But at the same time, you know, it's this fucking small town, Coolangatta, and it's the same group of friends and there's nowhere to, nowhere to hide in that, that that's scenario. Exactly. Have you guys ever driven past um, Kira Surf? You know, Kira Surf, so they had a huge poster of Joel and that just inspired Mick. I, th- I think he might have even graffitied it, like, like drawing, drawing a tiny cock on. That mightn't be fact. <laughs> I don't know if it was him, but... Just right on the monobrow in the middle where no one can see it. <laughs> um, mate, what was it like, just, you know, aside from that dynamic that was playing out, for you personally to, to be part of this journey uh, where you've gone from not really thinking about being a surf coach to being a mentor and then getting asked by the greatest competitor in the world to help him win a world title... Like, what was that energy like for you personally to get to that finish line and, and achieve something so fantastic? Yeah, um, I just think everything's done. Like, it's even worse than being a football coach. Like, if you don't, if you don't get along with someone and you can't gel, um, it would never work. So that that's the actual key. Like, you have to find empathy. You know, there's something that you can relate relate to with them otherwise you can't live together you spend that much time on the road together like you have to actually have a shared purpose for a greater cause other than self or wealth um to actually live with these guys because it's like and and you know like i've yeah i've been in situations where it just 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 does not work if you can't share something or find that commonality and 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 i think that um, again, that, the community that we have, like you pass it down to the juniors, if they're not doing something for a greater purpose themselves, I've got no interest in it, I don't need money. Like I'm just as much happy to be a labourer or, you know, look, it just, because yeah, you've got to live with them. And, and life, like I said, after this injury, you don't have that many days. And I don't want to waste days. Mm. No, no one, no one wants to waste days, mate. Well said. <laughs> um, what about, you know, okay, so... After Mick, 
you've had you've had high profile jobs with high profile surfers, and and not all of them are from these sort of tough backgrounds and people who sort of value life in the same way that that you or someone like Mick has. How tough is it to work with big money, big ego, big surf stars who might not necessarily want to hear the truth? That's why I've been sacked so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I don't have many clients, mate. Like I don't, I don't have many clients, and I refuse. Yeah, I refuse to do that. I'm not gonna fucking put anything up on Instagram or. You know, one of the funniest things I think about um, is that. Coaching, you know, a lot before, after the surf industry sort of died and then um, a surfer couldn't own surf shops, all of a sudden they gave himself a title as a coach. You know? yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I, I, I just never got, I, I never got it because it always reminded me, um, and, and this is like I said, the joke is I've failed that many times that that's why I have this role. So people that were really successful, they try and repeat those behaviours. So it's like, what I use the analogies like my old man, like his best years were in his 70s and he loved Elvis. So he never fucking changed. He tried to look like Elvis. He had the same hairdo and he died like Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> what, in a, in a hail of cheeseburgers and cocaine? Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, and I just think, I, I, I see that. Like if you don't, if you haven't failed and you're trying to recreate something that existed in the past, you're never going to evolve. Like you've never learnt from nothing. So you just repeat the behaviours that work for you. But... It's 2020 fucking one, you know? It's mm. not 1990 no more. So I just think that through failure and, and hardship and, and the value of time, um, that's why I think I've got some kind of relevance still. And, and put, yeah, and putting your coach's hat on for a second, you know, what sets Mick apart, um, apart from just his surfing ability? Mate, he's so true to his word, mate, like... He's never, like, like I said, he's never, ever gone against um, anything that he's ever said. Even when Eugene came out, he still stayed true to it, but it actually enhanced that truth. So if anyone challenged that, that's, well, that was Eugene. Yeah, if he said, I'm going to get nude and jump off the roof of the boat, you knew that he was going to do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that, no, nah, he's, he's like... Like I said, that kind of, that kind of trust and, 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 and what he's created, mate, like that... Um, it's just, just honesty. It's just like everybody, they're, they're using cliches and words and, 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 but if it's not backed up by action, fuck, he's, like, he's never, like, and now he's actually gotten, even though with his, uh, come from Penrith and he's a seventh grade education, he's become articulate. Mm. So now that he can actually, he can spread his message to the masses other than going, Emma, Emma, I love you all, like Fennec. <laughs> Don't disrespect Fennec in this house. No, no. I love you, Fennec. I apologize. No, 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 disrespect. Costa Zoo was from Cronulla. Like, no, I'm not going not gonna, to. Those, those little guys, they, they, they knock it out in a heartbeat. But, but now he's become articulate. <laughs> he's, um, yeah, and, and, and uh, I'm just fuck so proud of him, like, and I'm so happy that. You know, we, we've, we've got a squad up there. There's about 20 of us um, that have moved from South Sydney. You know, like we've gotten out, we sold all of our two-bedroom apartments that were like red brick joints for 1.2 million and bought blocks up in the valley of... Well played. <laughs> <laughs> As a... Yeah, so, so all of us have got a squad and we, we... Instead of getting on the piss every night, like we train together, Johnny Gannon's up there... Um, Ginge, Ginge moved yep. up from Bondi. Former uh, In The Nude Club president, David Gingell, if you're the uninitiated, turned Channel 9 CEO. 
Yeah, turn channel when I see her. And probably here's something, if Ginge, if you're listening to this, he's the only person that's ever been kicked out of Cronulla Leagues Club for life. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he went, he went um, ITN, they had a Bondi club, so every time they won, won they got nude. So Ginge got nude on the stage when I and I was only about twelve, but this is back in about eighty-eight. So, so I actually saw it. Just went, "Fuck, this guy's a unit." Like, what's he doing? And he got he got kicked out for life. But I don't think, other than bashing up his boss, Kerry Packer, I don't think a lot of people oh. actually know about him being nude and getting kicked out for life. So, that's for you, Ginge. I can add to that story too. I know the story you're talking about and uh, I believe maybe what added to the lifetime ban was uh, a bit of a haphazard defecation on the windscreens of the uh, Cronulla competitors <laughs> or maybe it was the security staff, but... Uh, uh, Will Weber famously says, so began the defecation period after that. Uh, <laughs> it's a kind of an epoch in the history of Bondi oh. surfing culture. She's your wordsmith, though. Oh, <laughs> that's my middle name. Word. Smithy. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, just with the coach's hat back on, so I'd love to pick your brain uh, on, on Mick Fanning's uh, just surfing ability. Like, you know, can you break down what made him so good? Well, I reckon, um, and this is one of the things that we clashed on, um, in before his second world title, we talked about, um, and it's Phil Mack, no disrespect, Phil Mack's been his coach since he was 12 years old. Like, I was kind of like, good cop, bad cop, you know, I just come in and say, if you, you want to be relevant, you've got to bring this in. So, Phil Mack has been Mick's coach since he was 12, an absolute mentor, and I've got so much respect for that guy. He's one of the greatest minds in... Australian surfing, and I've, yeah, I absolutely respect him. So, but after his second world title, I, to, I asked him to shallow up the bottom turn so he can get more speed and variety and progression out of the lip because I saw where it was going. At the time, Julian was starting to do varials, and and they said to me, it's not the time because if you do that, it's going to break um, mix rhythm and flow, like as he gets that. So he's, he's kind of like a momentum surfer, as in when he starts a wave, he gets that flow going. And, and I'm like, you're not going to win another world title doing that. Like, it's going to change too quick. And he won another yeah. world title, so I was completely wrong. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, yeah, fuck that up. But <laughs> you're just ahead of your time, mate, because it has gone that way now. I mean, oh, uh, we, we so talked about it at the start of the show. Like, the, the way that the surfing has evolved, uh, just even from 2019 to now. Like, Italo, the surfing he won the world title with was freaky, but the surfing he's been doing ever since is on another planet. And it just seems like everyone's playing catch-up, maybe except for John, John, Gabe and Phil when he's on. Yeah, mate, no, 100%. And that's... That, that again, like you look at that guy and he comes, he comes from nothing. And this, this is one of the analogies I gave. Um, do you remember the Aussie story about um, Donald Bradman when he'd hit the ball against a corrugated iron? Remember? Like, yeah, so yeah. he would hit a ball. Like it was, it was a, the water tank or whatever it was. You had the, the cricket stump tank. and the, the golf ball or the cricket ball. and exactly. so These fuckers train in like absolute messiness. Like he comes from a shitty little fishing village that's on shore 300 days of the year and he just absolutely loves it. Because he can't surf, he's using a skimboard. He's using, he's using this. and it's like, I, I remember thinking about it in... When I was there, it was in Brazil in 2009. And I watched the, even their skate ramps. They had 
holes in their skate ramps and the groms were that frothing because they even had half a quarter pipe to have a crack at something mm. and I went oh shit like this is Bradman like relives wow yeah that messiness wow. creates you, you speed something up you make it more intense than it has to be and then when the reality comes it slows down time wow that's fascinating mate you sound like fucking Albert Einstein there <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, can I keep that and send that to me fifth grade teacher? Mate, that's He's 100%. From Smitty, quote, Smitty. But yeah. actually, that, that's the most articulate message I've heard from any of the surf coaches. So many 100%. of them get up and they don't really want to, they don't really want to share what they see. They don't really want to be open about what's going on. But I guess the, the big thing from you, Kingy, is that you, you just, you tell it how you see it. And I think that those truths, the, the thing that you did tell Mick was just ahead of its time, mate. Because surfing definitely got there. It just was a little bit slower. <laughs> and um, we're all grateful because fucking that third world title was a real beauty, it by the way. No, no. All good, mate. You did a good job anyway. But I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I guess, uh, I mean... I'm still pretty interested to talk Brazilian Storm because, uh, you know, you're behind one of the absolute, you know, probably the great of Brazilian surfing, you know, he's the first guy to win a world title. Um, I guess, I mean, just, I guess back to Italo though. Italo fascinates me because he's the complete surfer. There's, there's no wave he doesn't perform in. Like pipeline, uh, you know, even waves like Marg's, which are just so foreign to the kind of waves he grew up in. He, he, I think in his second year he got third place there. It fucking blows my mind. It doesn't make sense why uh, he should be able to perform that way. Medina's in a similar category. You know, I was right there in, uh, I think it was 2010, uh, around about, or maybe it was 2011, 2012, when he first came to Australia and, and surfed at uh, Snapper. And he could barely go right. He barely had a backside on him. He, he couldn't go vert. Two years later, 2012 it was, two years later he's the Quicksilver Pro Champion beating Joel Parkinson at Snapper. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, just <laughs> how do you explain it? I guess he did the perfect job of explaining it. But, like, uh, in, in terms of... <laughs> I just want to... I just fucking... I I'm, I'm guess I'm just commenting on my absolute shock. It doesn't make... <laughs> a whole lot of sense to me. I've never been to Brazil. I haven't seen what you've seen. So, but uh, I honestly, mate, like it's fuck. You have to look at history repeats itself. Like no one reinvents the wheel. Like you think about, we fucking started this thing like with the bronze Aussies and the. If you have a greater purpose than self, and you create a gang, and this is back to even what my old man like rest his soul, but. I'd do everything I can to be the exact opposite to him. But he taught me about gang culture. And if you've got a greater purpose than self and you're bringing a crew with you, there's a shitload of energy. Like, they've even done studies on it right now. Like, when that's why when they chant, you know, you have these Buddhist monks and everybody's chanting and your brain's aligned. Like, there's a greater purpose than self. We're community creatures. And it's always... And it's just like, oh, my God... Because people got such a fucking short memories. Like, we're capitalists. We tread over the top of someone else to be better. Got board riders comps that separating the kids from their mates. Like, that, that, the greater culture. And it's just like, it's no fucking surprise. Like, we did that in the start. Like, how many movements has there been? That's right, because you were part of a, an Australian surfing scene. Like, in the 90s, it was such a team, you know. And, and we were the envy of every country on tour, the way the Australians used to band together, especially around Mick's first world title in 2007. I mean, the energy was fucking massive. Mate, and... 
And that's like, and that, yeah, and just quickly, like a, in a summary, and that's um, Vaughan. Um, and again, like what we talk about culture and why this is so vital and why I'm sitting here tonight. Like I left my family in a hotel. I'm not going to see them for a month, but I see the purpose of culture. And there's something, like I said, Vaughan has been a part of that. Like Vaughan has, has put um, movies together, you know. He put Dope Youth and he put, he's got this creative spin that can bring, he, he made Morgan. Morgan should be giving me fucking 20% of everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't fucking agree more. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Keen. No, sit down. Where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I exit music. Well, what's with the freaking music? I'll come. I'm oh, deaf. Mate. I keep thinking you're sending me off. No, no. <laughs> You'll know when no. we send you off. Um, just, before, just before we invite our next guest up, because the, that gang culture thing is, is right in sync with our next two guests. But um, just Medina, mate. Like... Let this room know. Like, he's such a mystery. Like, you know, all we know is this, this fucking hyper-talented, hyper-hungry, ready-to-paddle-up. Qualities that, if it was an Australian surfer, everyone would celebrate. But because he's the enemy, we tend to just dive-bomb him hardcore. And he's emotionless a lot of the time. And he, but then he cries sometimes. And it's, it's just like... <laughs> no, but he, he cries when he's lo- losing. Like, it means so much to him. Uh, yeah. Like, who is he? Is he a great bloke? Like, what's his, what's his whole program? That, again, and that's what um, Mick, Mick said that. Mick goes, Mick goes, do you remember when we were together and, you know, like after, you know, like we knew each other as mates, he goes, he's me, he had 50%, like that intensity, but he can switch off and then he's got that Zoom focus and he just fucking cares about his friends and his families, and he's obsessed with the art of surfing. Like, he just wants to get better. Like, he will surf for four hours and just try and figure out where his foot went. Like, you, you listen to the intricacies of what he talks about. Like, he's like, I, in the final on his second wave when um, he did that backhand air reverse, he's like, my feet were completely wrong, and he adjusted him in the air. Wow. So it's just like, he's like... The Matrix, you know, look, it just slows down time from what we actually see. But he's obsessed with the art of surfing. And, and can you talk to us a bit about the dynamic uh, he has with Italo? Does it have shades of that Parco Fanning dynamic? I mean, it seems like uh, when it comes to Italo's world title win at the Pipe Masters, that Medina almost shrunk, and I've never seen him shrink. You know, he's he, if anything, he usually grows a foot taller. Uh, he has that kind of Brazilian mongrel that. You know, they have the mortgage on in World Tour surfing at the moment. But yet, when he was up against Italo, it felt like Italo had the mongrel and Medina didn't. Mate, it's, yeah, and that's the thing, and that's the danger. Like, that's the danger of success, is that, you know, and that's something that definitely tapped into, was that don't ever forget where you come from, you know. Like, you're a brother from the gutter and you fucking fight for everything. We do not let an opportunity pass like that. Is that re reconfirmation? Because it's easy to get there, you know. Look, it's you know, yeah. I, I just think it's super easy. So that was a really defining moment, and one of our themes. We come from nothing, and mm. don't don't let it pass, mate. Every second's an opportunity. Fuck, that's good shit, King. Oh, yeah. Mate, you are the king. You're not going anywhere. Sit down. <laughs> I um. 
Oh, I love talking to you, mate. Oh, Fuck, man. is this guy a truth talker or what? He's so sick. What a fucking... I thought... I was thinking, you know what? Most people woke up this morning not knowing it wasn't a public holiday. Everyone, were, their alarms were going off, their phones were ringing, bosses were going, hey, it's not a public holiday. Everyone's going, what the fuck? I got torched last night. So I was kind of expecting, like, the whole room to be pretty, pretty mellow. But um, it's been a sick turnout. And getting to speak with someone like King and get some fucking truth in oh, our ears, Smithy. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. He's like Albert Einstein, a Buddhist monk, and a Cronulla Cron King all mixed together. It's fucking unbelievable. All right, um, but gang culture. Right now there is a sick gang uh, happening in women's surfing and uh, we're going to get up two of the absolute giants from that circle. Let's get them up here, Spiffy. Our next guest is arguably surfing's number one beat dropper. Smashing the likes of Adam Green Mitsubishi Bennett's and Hot Snakes Deadly and DJ Paul Fisher for Faye's melting core gurning dance floor classics. But it's in the water where she really excels. A former CT competitor, she mixed it with Swelly and Queens at the highest level before she traded in the singlet for a microphone and now she spends her days rinsing corn on the back of a water patrol, doing a better job on the commentary than jabbering Joe Turpel. Ron Stamos Blakey and Strider Cabbage Tits Wazalewski. She's absolutely the centrepiece of the Australian women's surfing movement. The Swellian Queens, Swellian Queen. Please make her welcome, Dimity Shimmy Disco Style. God bless our queen. Call on me, 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 call on Come and grab a seat, Dims. And we're going to also invite our next guest up at the same time because we want to chat with both these guys together. And now, (laughs) fighting out of the frigid waters of Phillip Island, Victoria. Our next guest is as hard as nails, as cold as ice, and as fruity as a sackful of Skittles. Renowned for a scintillating, stylizing, Frontside serving attack. She's a shape throwing, salsa dancing, all Australian doof queen. Please welcome to the stage Nikki the Rainbow Serpent. Man, They're coming on. Oh, they're coming on. <laughs> Mad. Oh hey, guys. Hello. Oh, there you go. Hello. Us. Can you wow. just keep one, that one down the end, Nikki? Oh, my 
Oh, guys, it's so good to have you on Ain't That Swell. Dimity and Nikki, another round of applause because I'm just so stoked to have some swelling queens on. Oh, my God. And good to see swelly ants in the crowd tonight, Smithy. I think grand total of uh, women who have attended these shows so far is about three. Mm. And uh, two of them are on stage. Well, that means uh, we're at like 200% more. There's like <laughs> five here tonight. So, guys, um, we were just talking with Kingy about the gag. Before we get, even get going... How sick is it to be back in the singlet, Nikki? How good is it feeling to compete? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, um, especially to be here in Australia. Um, I think, yeah, God, we had a year off all of last year, so we're a bit rusty to begin with, but um, it's good to be back. How many bushels did you go to in that year off? <laughs> there had to be a couple going on. Unfortunately, none. What? Are you kidding me? It's very unlucky. It's safe, mate. You can't be sweating on each other when there's a global pandemic, but... There's always more. <laughs> That's right. Very um, true. I've got to ask, like, we were talking about the, the big leap in performance that we've seen just across the board in surfing, but what, what were your thoughts when you saw Carissa Moore pull that just monster air rev in that first, uh, first event at Newcastle? Holy shit. <laughs> um, yeah, incredible. I think um, last year did everyone so well. Um, I think having time to just work on your surfing... Um, we don't really get a lot of time during the year, during a com competitive year. So um, I think, yeah, last year was amazing for all of us just to practice and, um, yeah, score some epic waves around our countries. <laughs> mm, yeah, it was kind of pumping. Uh, yeah, kind of. We did pretty well. <laughs> uh, what about you, Dimity? I mean, you know, you've been at the highest level. Uh, when you see something like what Carissa did, is that a game-changing moment for you? Is that something yeah. that's going to fucking actually change the way that everyone serves heats yeah, for the I rest think, of the year. Yeah, that was definitely game-changing. It was probably the best air that's ever been done by a girl in or out of the jersey. And she's not wasn't doing it in a wave pool. She just, yeah. And she's got a solid frame, Carissa, so it's not like she's... You see a lot of girls, peewee girls, doing airs in wave pools. And they're tiny and it's easy for them to fly really high. The Sierra Curves yeah. and the, the Sierra legend, Browns. And absolute legends. Yeah. They got some... It crazy moves, but Chris is like, you know, powerful throwing an air like that. It was cool. Mm. What about the reaction of Chris after she pulled it? Do you think she surprised herself? Yeah, I think so, but she's, I think she's been practicing. How crazy though to drop something like that under those circumstances? Like, it's the ultimate clutch maneuver, isn't it? Yeah, in the jersey, it's hard. Well, I've never done one. <laughs> in, 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 the, in the jersey, but also, like, first turn on a wave in a really crucial heat. I'd love to get your take on that, King. Oh, um, like, what, what, what were you... Were oh, you there? Did you see it? Like, sure. Like, um, Joanne Defay had, a, like, an eight. Like, she, she went through the motions, like... Um, and, yeah, I just thought, like, Carissa looked rattled. And then to pull that out when they were rattled, like, I watched that heat live and just went, oh, holy shit, like that. That's another level, like, yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Because, yeah, Joanne already had a fair lead on her. Mm. Yeah, yeah, she had a 15, 14 total before mm. Chris pulled that out. Yeah. Amazing. Under pressure. Mm. It was amazing. Uh, before we get into the film, because these guys have just released a new film, they're a little bit shady because the premiere was last night, am I right? Yeah, it was good. Yes. That's <laughs> <nurse>. my voice. <laughs> Yeah, it's a work day today. Yeah. I don't know if you got the memo, but... Um, Back at it. I don't know what day it is. I, I, I thought wanna, it was a public holiday. <laughs> I just want to know, like, f there's, a, there's a bit of a generational shift going on uh, on the CT for women at the moment. 
like there's definitely like a, a push coming through. There's uh, beneath that what you mentioned with the, uh, the younger girls starting to push the progression because they're in the wave pools a lot. How's the dynamic between the women on tour? Because we always see this, basically this big gang, you know, like all of you doing it for the same reason, just trying to get it to that place where it's like on equal footing. But is there like a grindiness to those relationships at times? Yeah, absolutely. Like, who's the biggest bitch? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Do you know what? I actually was talking to Carissa and she was like, how come all those little girls were in Indo for six months during COVID? Like, how did they get Ooh, there? Oh, has got the claws out. I knew it. Um, but, you, you know, like, we don't really get to see. Like, you guys are so solid in the public arena as, as a group, as a gang. But how deep does the, some of these like chasms run when it comes to the competitiveness and the personality differences? Well, yeah, we're incredibly competitive. Um, I mean, all of us Australian girls are all really close and it's so funny because we are just so competitive and as soon as we step into that arena, we, um, yeah, we want to kill each other. So, um, yeah, it's pretty wild how professional we are, um, you know, being best, best friends and then just switching that on and off. Um, yeah, it's the beauty of professional sport and having your best friends in there. Yeah, I can only speak at QS level, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> lately... Oh, no. I remember last year uh, I was travelling with Macy and um, I think it was like our third contest we'd done in a row together and she'd beaten me like three <laughs> times and I was like, I, I hate you. Like, <laughs> pissing me off. <laughs> and we're staying in the same house, so it was pretty funny. Italo uh, told oh, it was Jaddy the other night. Did anyone come to Narrabeen the other day? It was pretty. It was pretty good. But Jaddy told this story about sort of similar thing, you know, with the Brazilian Storm. From the outside, it looks like this one tight knit yeah. collective, but there's actually Sorry. things going on. But uh, he told this great story about, I think um, Italo and he had surfed against each other like six times, and they were always travelling together, and he he lost every time. And he was saying, I'd always be cool. I'd always be cool. I'd always be like, yeah, man, it's cool. And I'd do, make an effort not to be pissed off around the house and stuff. And he goes, and then finally I beat Italo and he didn't speak with me for four days. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he goes, and it was only a QS. <laughs> <laughs> but how hard is it to, to just sort of mend that space? Like, can you actually just switch it off? Are you that evolved? Because the... Blokes just can't do it like that. There's no way. Yeah, I definitely don't. I don't. I'm only pissed off on the inside. I never really say anything. I'm like, yeah, you fucking ripped. Good job. <laughs> on the inside, I'm like just staring ah. daggers. I did. It's just like <laughs> I'm not too competitive. I think that's why I'm not on tour anymore. <laughs> and I guess uh, since you were last on tour, Nikki, the tour has changed. Like it's now equal pay. For women, which is an incredible result. I mean, fuck, props to surfing for sucking up and doing it. But, I mean, how has that changed things? Like, uh, I mean, I guess there's more money to go around now, so has that kind of softened the competitiveness or uh, are people kinder to each other? I mean, I guess there's less desperation to a degree now. Yeah, I definitely think that it's almost, like, pushed the competitiveness <laughs> Um, I think now I look around and it's just so incredibly professional. Like, we put everything we have into this. And, um, 
yeah, I think it's just an attribute to surfing and where it's going. And um, yeah, we're so lucky to be a part of it because I sometimes just look around and I'm like, I'm literally surrounded by some of the most like pristine athletes in the entire world. Um, and yeah, I definitely think it's it's pushed our level. Yeah, so because you've got more resources now, basically. So yeah. more resources, yeah. more time to spend training, spending that money on food, whatever it yeah. is, you know. And I guess that uh, that's going to push the level higher. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, not to mention that, um, you know, it's amazing having Kingy here because we've got to keep that core surfing, you know, involved because it is so professional. And, um, like, my coach working with Dog, it really, you know, winds you back to that. <laughs> mm. Just, just having that conversation about dog, and this woman, so much respect for Nikki. Like, um, they, dogs are freaking asshole, man. Like, he pushes us <laughs> so, he pushes us so hard, and then I'm just like that. Like, they, 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 they know, like, um, you know, because the dog's super old school. It kind of reminds me. Um, was it Adrian, Rocky's trainer? <laughs> Rocky, you know, no, that, that was his wife. But uh, oh, awesome. <laughs> and. But Nikki, yeah. like the girls, just like I said, I have so much respect. Mm. And they have some ground to make up, like on the locations, yeah. but they're willing to throw themselves over that ledge. Yeah. And I've got so much respect for them. Like yeah. and my daughter has so much respect for them. And I just think it's just going to take a bit of time for them to catch up. Just so. e- equal opportunity though, Kingy. I mean, if the, if the comps were never pulled from those locations, we'd, we'd be seeing a different level of surfing going on. That's just... That's just totally. like it, it's happening in every other sport. Yeah. So for them, yeah, and I've got so much respect. As you said, like um, they, they've like they're doing incredible things, and it's just like for me, like to be honest, is like it'd be asking a junior to come and serve chopes and pipe when they haven't had that. You know, like it's such an intense environment out there. So I just think I've got so much respect on how fast they're coming up and we just have to be respectful. Give them another year and they're going to be fucking... They're already, like, yeah, matching. Yeah, so true. Like, yeah. like, with Carissa, her first year Fiji, she was sitting in the channel next to the boats mm. and she had a coach there, her Hawaiian coach, and had whole family spent so much money taking her crew to Fiji and I ended up beating her and I'm a sunny coast, you know, groveler. Because she was sitting closer to the boats than I was in the channel. And then maybe a year later, she was getting the, the best, longest backside tubes because she just was like, all right, that was embarrassing. I can't do that again. i got to go to Fiji and practice because the opportunity hasn't been there. Events have been canned in those locations for so long. And Nikki, like, I mean, you are a cloud break, suffered a pretty serious injury, I guess. I mean, to me, it looked, watching it on the webcast, it was the result of not having spent a whole lot of time in the lineup there. Um, can yep. you talk to us a bit about what happened there and I guess how that changed uh, things for you? Yeah, that was pretty rough, to be honest. Um, looking back at that, uh, that was my first year on tour and um, I think I kind of qualified and got on tour and I was like, holy shit, this pretty freaking hard isn't it (laughs) um but I was just so inspired to just do my best and kind of just throw myself over the rocks really um but yeah that was wild I ended up um yeah hitting the reef with my face um (laughs) I got like hundreds of stitches like under my chin here and down my neck um but I got plastic surgery so I'm looking fine now (laughs) (laughs) 
But um, Fir- on the first plane to Thailand, well played. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, but yeah, I think just you know being a rookie on tour and you just don't know what's left or right. Um, but. Yeah, going for it. <laughs> it was big and it was scary that year too. It was so yeah. gnarly. But you had a crack. That's amazing. <laughs> and is that is that to do with like you grew up on Phillip Island, right? Yeah. So yeah. that has about the same male to female population as a Swellians <laughs> gig. It's like ninety nine point nine percent male. Yeah. Two, three girls. Yeah. Live on the island. <laughs> but did that did that sort of benefit you growing up, or was it tougher because you didn't have sort of I don't know like many crew to look up to or to guide you through it? Or was the whole island like a big brother? Um, yeah, I've got plenty of brothers, um, but I think honestly, I just yeah, it just pushed me harder. I think um, the elements, you know, the the cold conditions, the, the raw waves, like nothing is easy. <laughs> it's like, heavy. It's all twelve degrees in the yeah, water. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, just having you know all the guys to surf with, my little brother. My older sister, and um, it was just raw, and I think that kind of you know it makes life on tour just so glamorous. <laughs> and uh, I mean, growing up as a kid, one thing that kind of tripped me out, I guess, when I was a teenager, like, and even in my twenties, it, it dawned on me that there's almost zero in the way of women's surf media around, like full feature length surf films. Uh, yeah. You know, what were you guys looking up to uh, for inspiration coming up? Um, actually, uh, when I was younger, I, um, had this VCR and it was called The Seven Girls and, um, I actually ruined my VCR because I actually took it from my local surf shop and I never gave it back, but, you know, watched it on repeat and I ruined this video and it's all I had. And, um, I think when we made this film, we were just like, damn, we just want to put you know, a hype movie out there for all those young kids and, you know, do what, you know, that Seven Girls kind of did to us. Yeah, that um, was Lisa Anderson. And yeah. Roxy, that was insane. Serena Brooke, was she in that one? Yep, yeah, she was. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was watching Me and Bubo. Yeah, t- talk us through this this new project because um, Ronnie went to the premiere and he said he watched it and uh, yeah. he said he f- it fully made him cry. Like, he, yeah. he felt like there was a... <laughs> just like, just, just to qualify Ron. that, just made him wallow in his own inadequacy as a surfer. Is that <laughs> why he was crying? Oh, that, that was definitely part of it. I can definitely qualify. Yeah, I know the feeling. But he also cries when he watches that sorbent commercial with the dog running with the toilet paper in his mouth. But, <laughs> but what I was going to say is like, um, he was genuinely like moved, just going, "This is the fucking best surf movie." He just felt like it was so original. Like, what, what was the What's the plan? Like, did you guys just sort of all get together and go, fuck, there actually hasn't been a women's surf film for a long time. We've got to f- change that. Was it that yeah. simple? Oh, we, we started, we all got locked out on the Gold Coast during lockdown. Nikki made it in three days um, before the cutoff. I said, we, she was coming up for our friend's 30th anyway, and I said, Nikki, you've got to get in before Monday or else you can't come up. So I was like, come now. <laughs> and she ended up staying for four months. <laughs> so can you, like, this is what happened, right? Uh, lockdown happened, but basically eight of the world's best surfers were mm, all in yeah. two units or something. Yeah, I live, I live, like, three doors down from Steph and she's my landlord, so I trash the place <laughs> every, every weekend. On you your TV, on your shimmy. <laughs> Party back at mine! Yeah. <laughs> Yelp, kick-ons. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we were all stuck on the Gold Coast. It was um, Steph... 
Macy, Nikki, me and Tyler. Tyler had moved to the Gold Coast as well. And, um, yeah, we just... We had this group text called The Turtles and we... Dan Scott um, was filming us every day and we renamed it The Turtles because he'd text us at about 7am and probably by 10am we'd get back to him with, oh, yeah, let's go surf here. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're so slow. I just... <laughs> Sick name for a gang. We're talking about gangs before. I mean... The turtles, so, the scarabs. The are. turtles. We were the turtles because no one, yeah, by the time we get all our shit together, we're like, okay, now, now we're ripping. Yeah. <laughs> we're ready to rip now. And, and so you were all surfing together and just like, did, Every when, day. Did the, when did the film start to sort of form in people's heads? Because like, as soon as you go, okay, we've got a project together, then you start wanting to beat each other. Yeah, Steph was pretty off it when I got the barrels at Stratty. Yeah. <laughs> and her boyfriend was snaking her. <laughs> oh, I love this. Okay, yeah, Steph Gilmore. dirty. Swelling queen, everyone's sweetheart, but is she actually just a psycho bad, bad, <laughs> bad person? Just like, oh, nah, you got she, a better barrel than me. I hate your guts. No, she's actually, she's actually too polite. Like, I um, take advantage of it a few times when we're free surfing. Because <laughs> I know if I sit next to her and a bomb comes, she goes... Go, Yumi, go. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, you go. It's your turn. And she'll go, no, nah, you go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well played. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all right, the film starts coming together. Like, w- when does it start to sort of, like, really become something that you, you're really busting your hump to have a good section in? Or was it just fun from start to finish? I mean, for me, I got up uh, a little bit later than all the girls. Um, so I was back in Victoria in um, the first lockdown... And then when I came up to the Gold Coast with the girls, um, I kind of already heard that they were all filming for a little while with Dan. And, um, yeah, Dan's just such a legend. He literally just followed us everywhere. Um, And then we were just kind of like, let's do this. And we got pumping waves. Like, it kind of just happened so naturally for us. Um, But, yeah, you guys should definitely check it out because it's seriously a good film. How? How do we check it? Uh, well, we want to have a few more parties first, so we oh, can. Nah. You know, <laughs> everyone, you're all welcome back to uh, Steph's place after the after this. That's it, you know, it good excuse Massive for a party is having a movie premiere. That's all all the boys do. So we're like, yeah, well, we'll have one too. Sick. Has it got skits, <laughs> doof music, music in it? Should I bring my uh, yeah. horse tranquilizer? St- <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I've got to ask you, uh, like. Once the finished product was done and you were watching it on a big screen in a room full of people, did you feel like it was going to, I don't know, like take on a different, like did it mean something different to you other than just like, oh yeah, I'm surfing in this, waves are pumping, we're all ripping. Like did it start to feel like, fuck, we've actually made something that could change the game here? I think what we were growing up watching, that's what we wanted to try. Once we, we, we weren't thinking this at the start but then... After we got a few good sessions together and we were like, oh, how good are those movies like that one that you burnt out? And, yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Big night, eh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Only joking. One Um, thing... I just want, let's, I mean, do we want to change tact? <laughs> I, I just, I want to pick Nikki's brain because you're a fascinating character, mate. I was uh, reading up on you before coming today, being a two-time Gold Cone Peace Award winning journalist. I like to do my research. And one of the things I uncovered is that uh, you're actually like hard into veganism 
And this come on the back of that injury at Cloudbreak, and I'm interested to know what the relationship is there. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, I yeah, well, after I got injured injured in um, Fiji, uh, after my plastic surgery, I actually went on this like crazy cleanse, and I just decided that um, yeah, I didn't really want to put anything in my body that didn't need to be there ever again. And um, so I've been vegan for almost eight years now. And, um, yeah, I feel amazing. It's pretty crazy what, yeah, the power of plants can do. <laughs> yeah, and there's also – it's also pretty crazy how many mad doofers are vegan. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Strange there. combo. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but can, you, can you tell me what about, um, like, if you smell one meat, like is it bacon or is it – Pork or steak when you start <laughs> out, those fangs just start to draw like there's gotta be something like there's something uh, that triggers that like me like no never just because um I kind of have like I got braces when I was like fourteen or fifteen and I could not eat it. Like I just like it just made me sick. So ever since then I couldn't really eat it, but like I get it. <laughs> oh no, I'm just fascinating. It's the uh, yeah. Cadbury chocolate that gets her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god, it's. I mean, yeah. I think when you don't have it in your life, you just don't even really, yeah, think about it. Have you know? Like, what are the effects of being on that plant-based diet? Like, where do you really feel it? Where do you notice it? Um, I you mean, can also I, you my can brain. I think. I think it's just the clarity and. Um, just feeling so light and energized and um it i mean it can get really tough to be honest like when i'm traveling you know in countries like um brazil or japan's really hard um yeah it, i mean just in those in-between moments you just have to be prepared and kind of know like all the spots and do your research it's so fascinating. And you can stuff it up too. Like you can be on... Oh, yeah. It, like it's easy to miss out on really important, uh, like what do you call it, minerals or just vitamins uh, because you're on that plant-based program. Yeah, yeah, totally. Definitely slacked a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely felt sad for Nikki in a few moments in Spain where we're in a random place. There's only one restaurant. <laughs> the vegan meal, vegan option is lettuce, tomato and onion. <laughs> <laughs> lettuce, tomato, onion. The bully. Yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> what about um? What about girls can't surf? I'm assuming mm. you've seen that film. Yeah, that's uh, sick. Yeah, no, what sort of an impression did that leave on you guys? I I absolutely loved it. Did you? Oh, I was just so thankful to, to you know to have that you know the history of women surfing you know accessible for the younger generation. You know, I feel like it's just so missed. Yeah. I've definitely, like, um, I love, um, I've stayed with Lisa Anderson and been lucky enough to, you know, be friends with her since I met her and, and I've got to hear some of those incredible stories but it was really cool. We actually got to see it, a bit of vision of it and just, like, mm. hey, that was actually real. That happened. It was so sick. Some, sorry, there's, there was a girl um, in called Lynette McKenzie. Do you oh, remember Ruber's finest, mate. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Do you remember... Um, uh, did she feature in the film, Lynette McKenzie? No, she didn't, uh, no. sadly. She didn't, but... Hey, like... It's like, if you want to talk about intimidation and fear, I was more scared of her than anyone ever <laughs> on tour. She was brutal. I thought, yeah, she 
definitely deserved a spa. Like the start, like the profanities yeah. and the presence that she had in the lineup. Oh mate, she was what? Oh, she <laughs> was. Do you remember? Yeah, she was. She was uh, the sister of Steve Bullet McKenzie, the the pro slap bodyboarder. Fiend. I was just, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. He's the. I had a picture of Bullet at the zone on my wall. Yeah. growing up was just the most. He's a fucking nutter. But I remember this time, and I won't drop the commentator's name because it's pretty heavy what he did, but. Um, she caught a wave at Bells and we were beach commentators and uh, he read out the score and uh, it was she just caught a sort of inside ring con one and done a few turns and whatever and she pulled off and it was a 3.7. And he goes, uh, last wave of Lynette McKenzie, 3.7. And she turned around and she just started bashing the water and just going, fucking blah, 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 just blowing up. <laughs> and she finally settled down after about two minutes, he's paddling and he goes... Just repeating that last score of Lynette McKenzie, a 3.7, and she just turns around. <laughs> starts going off. Mate, it was so heavy. She was just using so much energy blowing up about this shit score she got. And she, I'm not joking, by oh, the time she got out the back, she, she yeah, was so she gassed that he goes, Definitely deserves And just repeating that score. <laughs> well, that's how she like just, we're, we're yeah, it was sitting and there was a huge lull like at, at Durban, um, Durban in South Africa. So all the South Swells used to have to come up from J Bay. So it was a wave every 10 minutes and um, she was sitting out there and doing the right thing and someone um, paddled past her and I've never seen something that ferocious in my life. Like she was oh, like ripping him out. And I remember, do you know, like um, when you, you want to clap, like, oh, get him, get him. It's like, he said that, Lynette. She, oh man, she was like, yeah, nah, she, she was fierce. She, but, she, but the whole thing with that film is just how fierce everyone had to be. Like yes, they, they, yes, man, it's just it's 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 hectic. Like even uh, when I was a grom coming through tracks, you know, you, you you knew that that was going on, but you just didn't fucking stand up. So uh, that film was so important. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Girls Can't Surf. It's a full masterpiece. You got to check it out. And I think it's going to have a huge positive effect on the way that women's surfing goes from now on too. Yeah, it's really cool. I think every um, junior girl surfer growing up needs to watch that yeah. and just have, yeah, just say thanks to those lords that did it. So we can, now we can get things like equal prize money. If it wasn't for them, it yeah. probably wouldn't happen. Yeah. I mean, and it's not only equal prize money. We've got Jessie Miley Dyer, who's from where I'm from, as the, uh, you know, what is she, the commissioner of the WSL. Uh, I mean, women surfing is in a pretty incredible place right now. Yeah. It absolutely is. I think um, exactly what Dim just said, you know, we're literally being able to live this life and this life on tour because of what the, uh, the older generation female surfers did for us. So... Yeah, it's pretty wild what the places we get to go now and surf in and, yeah, it's amazing. And uh, I know you're really happy about Jesse being the, the WSL commissioner, but WSL commissioners also have a habit of sending out surfers in really fucking psycho conditions, so uh, you might not be so thankful when she puts you <laughs> in the lineup at 8 to 10 for chirps. Oh, they just... I, I swear they love bigger... Like, big swell, doesn't matter what the winds are that. They're like, oh, it's going to be big, we're on. Yeah. <laughs> it's big, we are on. <laughs> now, uh, we can't let you go, though, uh, Dimity, without talking a bit of shimmy disco, mate. What's, uh, <laughs> talk to us, yeah, I mean, you're the mad disco doof queen. What's on your musical palette these days, shimmy? Uh, it's just getting deeper and heavier. <laughs> going a bit burkine yeah. on us, are you? Yeah, you know, like, Started might even on end the sunny up coast. rainbow serpent. Mm. <laughs> 
You want to get a start at the Rainbow Serpent? So talk to the Rainbow Serpent. Yeah, Maybe no, she can hook I, you up. I just, I've, I've, it's been, um, yeah, it's been so fun ever since I've stopped um, surfing on tour. I've just created like a job that pays well to just have fun. So that's pretty <laughs> much what surfing does. So I was like, oh, let me find another thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so the commentating's been hard. 12-hour days of real work. <laughs> What about, I know like doofs and uh, festivals, they're a hub of weirdness. Uh, I'd, I'd like to know, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a uh, festivus or doof? Um, probably Fisher. No. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, no, there's amazing sights. I think that's why Fisher's so famous, because he's just managed to capture it on his phone. You know, like half of his Instagram is just him filming freaks at the at the Fezzy. How good. I That's love Uncle Fish. Yeah, has he been tuning you in? Is he like yeah. have you following the, the Fish's uh, yellow brick road to Shimmy Disco greatness. Oh, I love his... I actually love his work. He's done incredible for for DJs and, and we're so lucky that he's back on the Gold Coast now so I get to, you know, get in his face and be like, hey, can you just help me make a song? And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's good. No, we've got one a little the, crew. Um, one of the um, things MF was talking about, he ended up on, on the East Coast and he went to one of his concerts and they've actually, like, 3D printed, like, full life... Printouts of Fisher <laughs> in the audience. He's like the Lord of Spring Break. He's so <laughs> famous. He's so famous now. I just, oh, he just he's got a captive yeah. audience. Well, one of the best <laughs> things I, at, at uh, Taj Barrow's wedding, this guy comes running down the street and Fish and TB are standing next to each other and he goes, "Mate, can I get a photo?" And TB goes, "Yeah, mate, no worries, man. Fucking get out of the way, idiot. I'll fucking hey, Fisher, Fisher, you." <laughs> <laughs> so um, good. All right, well, what do you reckon, Smithy? Should we uh, open it up to the Swellians? Let's do it. Hey, uh, what about a round of applause for this awesome panel? <laughs> Nikki Van Dyke, Dimity Stoyle, Andy King. Fantastic night to share with you guys here at Harboard. And um, why don't we play the theme song and then we'll uh, throw it out to the Swellians. Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. Uh, big thanks, of course, to Billabong, who uh, support the podcast. They've been with us since day dot, and uh, we really couldn't do any of this without them. So we got some uh, Billabong stuff to chuck out. We've also got some uh, big vouchers coming up at the end of the show. Brand new Billabong Graphene Wedding. It's worth a thousand bucks. It's 100% recycled. So we're going to give that out as well as uh, some custom shoes stuff and whatnot. What's your name, mate? Nathan. Nathan, who would you like to ask a question to? You. Oh, shit. Righto. I was born in Harwood, so look out. Beautiful. Mate, uh, this area's been home to heaps of good surfers. Um, Rick East, um, Ray Ritchie. Uh, but who do you think... Is the better surfer, Dean Cole or Elliot Bemrose? Wow, that's a tough one. Is it Dean Cole or Dean McCall? Dean Cole. Dean Cole. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bemroses just because. Uh, fucking, I don't know who the other bloke is. <laughs> hey, 
Well, you know, Elliot, Elliot did surf down at Curly. Elliot, Elliot surfed down at Curly, of course, and uh, Dean Cole, freshwater legend. Well, thanks very much for your question and have a billabong, happy do. I heard this, uh, the Bemrose brothers used to play practical jokes on each other and I heard this great one where uh, they used to rub chilli on the tops of each other's beers and coke cans and stuff. And then one time, do you guys know this story? So, one time they were driving up the hill to their house and uh, the brother knew that he had a can of coke, his brother, so he slipped this blazing hot triple X jalapeno and he had a sip of his coke, the guy, was, the brother who was driving. And he just got out of the car, just went, fuck, and ran into the house, but he didn't take the handbrake, he didn't pull the handbrake. And the car just flew back down the hill and basically wiped out about, I don't know, 60 grand worth of other people's vehicles. Uh, practical joke, gone wrong. Who's got a question for the panel? Anybody, Swellians and Swelliettes especially, because we've got two greats up here. Up the very back, let's go. All right, who we got? Who is that? Uh, it's Dave from Freshwater. Uh, I've got a question for uh, yourself, just as a straight-up answer, like uh, the king would answer. Italo's air, make or no make? Oh, mate. Let's throw it to the panel. I'll answer last. <laughs> Guys, you're all there. And uh, Nikki as a competitor, Kingy as a coach, Dimity as a... Where, where's she gone? Hey, don't... Don't, don't be hospital passing that, mate. Vorno, he asked you, mate. I've got nothing to do with that. You got that, Vorno. No hospital pass there, bruv. I think no, mate. Yeah, fuck. If, it, if that, if that was me, I'd be bummed that I didn't stand up. I love how loaded this question is. Simply by answering it, you get an ooh. Like, <laughs> Nikki, if that was you in a heat, what would you be thinking? for a 1.7 or whatever they threw at it? Uh, I just, I, I just, I mean, I think that he just went so far out into the flats that he, there's just no way he could have, like, done anything more. But if he didn't do that, what he did, then it wouldn't have been as crazy. So, yeah, it's a tough one. I think it was a make. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Kingy. <laughs> You're the surf coach. I want to hear what I want to hear what you'd be storming into the judging tower saying if that was Gabe. Yeah, can you? Hear? My, my hearing aids ran out. Jeez, that's an appropriate time to clap out. I, I'm going to call a disability card on this one, board. Yeah. <laughs> Who's got a question? Here we go, Rat Dan, <laughs> DJ with the most. Oh, get Hello, <laughs> We've got a DJ question here. Um, this is for Kingy and Nikki. Okay, in a movie, there's always a scene where someone's got a really iconic song to what they do. Now, you two, being surfers, having clips in videos and whatnot, what's a song that you maybe wish you had in your section or that you'd want to really have in a, you know? Was that, was that a song? Yes. Yeah, oh. um, That's a beauty. I reckon um, yeah, there was a back in the day um, there was a and this is where I got the phrase from. I'm not going to claim it, but there was a Coolio tune in 1997 where um, remember Coolio? Remember Coolio? Like, I, I think he 
I think he sells a deep fryer now. Or <laughs> he's got like a, a sandwich press or something. But fucking... But that, that abolished my obsession with him. But he was straight up. And he came up with the... He came up with the... Um, you know, not, not, gangsters, not, not Gangsters Paradise, but he came up with a cue like a, the Brothers from the Gutter. And I've used that um, where... So, yeah, probably... Coolio before he had a sandwich press. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, For me, uh, I mean, we just made a... Go on, tell them your song. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Um, I chose Work It by Missy Elliott. (laughs) Yeah, fuck. That is all time. Have you ever seen Missy Elliott in a surf movie? It's so good. Can you show us your section, like just mime it out if we could put the song on? (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't have to. Man, I want to watch this surf movie already. What a vibe for surfing. Fuck, how good's the sound system in here? Nah. Someone give me some horse tranquilizer already. (laughs) Fuck, I'm... Fuck. So, man, I'm that pumped to watch that movie now. Uh, but that yeah. last line of that, um, Nikki bo- Nikki's boyfriend's in the audience as well. So if that's a hint, <laughs> don't stand next to him in the trough, gentlemen. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, all the time. We got one up front. Oh, look at this. Holy moly, we got like a, it looks like the Cafe de Paris down here, Smithy. So Borgs has scalped John John twice so far. Where do you reckon he's going to land at the end of the year? Kingy, Morgan, where will he finish at the end of the year? Is he going to keep this role going or is he going to be... No, that was, um, again, that is the pure genius of marketing that Vaughan... Like, like I did, to actually bring the attention to somebody and then it actually fills a niche on tour. So there hasn't been a stocky natural footer since Trent Munro. So for somebody to actually have that, like he brings something different, which is still a form of entertainment. Progression just doesn't have to come with airs or big barrels. It can still come from that. So I think he's going to have relevance for a long time because he fills a space that hasn't been there on tour. So, yeah. Guys, what do you, what do you think of uh, Morgan Sibley? I mean, he, he kind of came from nowhere. He, he, he wasn't like on the radar as a junior. He sort of appeared halfway between Newcastle and Yamba. And he's just... He's just capped the, the two-time world champ two comps in a row. Yeah, 100%. I think he's here to stay. And he's a lot of fun, so we're happy about it. He's a weapon. Weapon. Oh. I've got a feeling that uh, Nicky's run into him at a few Rainbow Serpents. Because <laughs> uh, he doesn't mind that scene. What's, uh, have we got another question? A couple more questions for the panel. Up the back here, beautiful. The swellians, up the fucking swellians. 
Hey, uh, how you going? Um, Smitty Asepo, very happy to be in Australia. And Dimity, I just wanted to know if you're going to take over Strider's job or what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, well, let's. Um, yeah, I love Strider, but you know, I'm. <laughs> Woman's got to eat. Uh, what do you reckon, guys? It can't just be disco biscuits. We'll just we'll get a, let's get a cheer for for Strider. Who wants Strider to keep his job? And who wants who wants Jimmy Disco to take over? The mob has spoken. Love you all. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what do we got? Two more questions. Two more. Who who got some prize? Come on. Two more questions. Oh, we got one up the back. You beauty. Frank Zappa, what do you got for us? G'day. I actually got called Frank Zappa last week at Monavale. Thank you very much. Coming up in the girls' Aussie titles, how hard was that? Because the boys was a little bit rigged, I reckon. Huge controversy down here that no one else understands. Oz, by the way. So what happened? What happened in the Aussie titles? Uh, I love Credo, but he got pushed through a little bit. Cre Credo hasn't been in the Aussie titles for about nine years, no, mate. Not the titles. The, the, ju the, ju the junior titles. The junior titles. How you going up there, Smith? About ten years ago. I'm baffled, mate. I know he's from Western Australia. Is he speaking another <laughs> language or has he just got the... Are you fucking riddled with COVID? Is this what it does to you? It's as you're speaking in tongue. It happens. It happens. A few, v, a few VBs. Don't know what I'm talking about. Nah, well, well played. We'll take that as a comment. <laughs> Basically, sounds like me and Smithy on a normal episode, I reckon. <laughs> Couple more. Two more. Thanks so much for hanging out tonight, everyone. And uh, here we go. All right, guys, on the charter flight. Is that tomorrow afternoon? Yeah, tomorrow yeah. at 12. So uh, I want to know who's going to be getting, uh, taking all the free drinks they can before they get to Perth. Holy shit, I thought you were Stephen Hawking then and then your voice just fucking kicked back in. I was trying not to make a wisecrack about your busted larynx. Then <laughs> you come good. Well, let's hope that they, it's a private charter, so let's hope they've organised food and beverage service. Are you playing on that plane, Shimmy? <laughs> I bring my um, bring my portable decks. Fuck yeah, that would be mantle. Fucking plain doof. I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> yeah, what happened to those old plane flights with pro surfing? They used to go bananas. Any any last questions? One left. Here we go. Um, obviously, we're under a bit of a brazo cloud at the moment. Who out of the Aussies? Do you think he's going to uh, push for a title anytime soon? Um, I think I think um, Reef Hazelwood's pretty dangerous. He's he's probably a good hope for us. He's got airs and crazy good turns as well. So we just get him on tour. I think he's our our next hope. Morgan. Morgs. Morgs. I'm, in I'm interested to know. I mean, the problem to me, Kingy, seems like. There's just a certain uh, genre of manoeuvres that Australian surfers can't stick with the proficiency that Brazilian surfers can. And until we catch up 
uh, in the aerial race, in the space race, I can't see us really winning a world title. I mean, what's your read on it? I just think, um, like, Jack Robbo, Jack Robinson, like, his, his ability to read the ocean and stuff, like, um, yeah, that's another level. So I think Jack, like, he's trying to get into that small wave space. So he's done the reverse journey of a Brazilian, you know. He grew up at the box in the WA and knows long periods, knows heavy slabs, and now he's spending a heap of time on the Gold Coast. And how quick that kid has adapted. So I'm saying everything, like, if I was to bet my house on, I'm putting all the chips on Robbo. Mm, unbelievable. Yeah, I love that. Well, and... Nikki and Dimity, like, I mean, it's a different system now as well, you know. Like, if you make that top five, you're in with a shot. It's five, you're five heats away from a, a title. Um, who do you think can challenge, you know, Carissa's on a massive roll right now, but do you think we'll see Steph, Sally, yourself in that picture come uh, the end of the year? Go on, Nikki, get up there! <laughs> Pull my shit together. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, the way Steph's surfing at the moment, I know she hasn't kind of pulled it together the last couple, but um, anyone. I feel like the girls' tour is so tight. Like, obviously, Carissa is, you know, surfing incredibly well right now, but every heat you're in, anyone can win it. Um, so, yeah, made the best win. Yeah, that's the cool thing about the one-day thing is, like, everyone has their day, especially in pro-surfing... Um, yeah, there's someone who's on that day and they can't be beaten and that's what's going to be so... It's so tight that, yeah, I think anyone who's there has got the chance to win. I think the new system is really good for Australia right now because if Ryan Callanan or Jack Robbo makes that final day, fucking anything could happen. Anything could happen. All right, I think that's just about it, guys. Can we get a round of applause again for our awesome panel? Thank you, Harbour Hillman of You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me? Kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you fucking 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 kidding me?